He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. It happened again yesterday, and it's more and more common. I talked to someone who had a problem that couldn't be solved. There was nowhere to go and nothing to do except let it all go. Hi, I'm Laura Giles with Let It Go Now, a podcast that talks about how to let go of all the things that stand in the way of your greatness, happiness, wealth, authenticity, and all the wonderful things that make you you. I specialize in helping people break through their blocks and together we will find and neutralize them. Today, I'm talking about the call to adventure because it's typically a call to let go of everything. And that is something that we aren't trained to do and lots of us don't want to do. Most of us have many voices in our heads that tell us to hold on, see things through and work things out. That's great advice. We all need perseverance. And for every yin, there's a yang. So there's times when conventional wisdom isn't the best choice. That's how we get into these situations of not having any choice. We hold on too long. We end up in a metaphorical desert or in the middle of the ocean where no matter how long we paddle and tread water, there's no change. You know what I'm talking about. It's the dead end job, relationship that won't change or the addictive behavior that keeps getting you into trouble. Every good story has a call to adventure, and if you're not hearing it or heeding it, you're not living. So I'm beckoning you to let go of your comfort and apathy and get off the couch. Live. (laughs) All stories start in innocence. It's an everyday existence where things are normal, typical, and no surprises. And then something happens that we can't ignore. It's either happened around us, and that's the inciting event, or to us personally, which is a call to adventure. So an inciting event could be the police brutality events that kicked off Black Lives Matter, or the reversal of Roe v. Wade. Didn't happen to most of us personally, but it moved many of us to action. It doesn't have to be something that captures national or worldwide attention, though. It could be that your dad dies, and while looking through his things, you find an old photo of a woman from long ago that you've never seen before in his wallet. That sets you off on a quest to find out who she is so that you can know him better. It's like the bridges of Madison County, when the kids read their mom's will and find out that she wants her ashes spread on a bridge instead of being interred with their father. The call to adventure is personal. It happens to you. So reading their mom's journal or letter or will, I don't, I don't really remember, but it was her explanation for why she wanted her ashes scattered at the bridge that led her daughter to having the call to adventure. The daughter examined her own life and said, you know what? My husband is a good man, but I need more than this. I'm settling for less. And at the end of the movie, she leaves him. 
That's the call to adventure. It's that big or small voice that says, wake up. Opportunity is knocking. It actually happens pretty frequently on my sacred travel journeys. It happened to me on my first trip to Egypt. It's why I started the whole spiritual tour business to begin with. I never felt so alive and connected to humanity, even though these were foreign people. The land, even though it was a faraway land, the music, the food, the air that I was breathing, or life itself, and I wanted to share it. It's taken me on an adventure that has lasted more than 20 years. It changes me and challenges me every time. So I look for it. I want it. I yearn for that. So the call to adventure is an invitation to change your life. And as I was saying at the beginning of this podcast, so many don't hear it and don't heed it. I have more and more clients who are um, in a situation where they're isolated, alone, and have nowhere to go. There are no options. They're adrift at sea or on a desert island in a straitjacket or some type of situation where they either can't move or moving in any direction doesn't create any change. And this is because they have either been doing nothing, ignoring the problem, or doing the same ineffective thing for so long and are way off course. Basically, they're turning down the call to adventure and avoiding living. Life is saying, hey, let's quit this job, or hey, go talk to that girl, or hey, you always wanted to do that thing, and they're choosing safety. So they're staying small, thinking about that retirement account and not wanting to get hurt, or listening to that voice inside their head that's saying, you can't do that, you don't deserve that, or some such invalidating thing. Guys? Take it from me, a past life regression facilitator. Most of us live the same lives over and over again. The faces change, but it's the same relationship. The details change, but it's the same hangups. There's nothing wrong with that. You can live your life however you want. But since you're here, don't you want to live fully? I'm sure you've heard me say that life is a circle. It starts in spring with birth. Then we move to maturity in summer, decline in fall. Death is a doorway that leads to rest, rejuvenation, and gestation. Then we do the whole thing all over again. Except most of us aren't doing that. Most of us are either trying to hang on to our youth, so spring, or stay at our maximum ripeness of summer. We do everything we can to stay young, fresh, unblemished, unhurt, untested, and at the top of our game or in our comfort zone. The only way to be an adult is to take chances, leave the nest, and do things. Maybe they're wild things, the wrong things, really amazing things, or solitary things. Striking out could mean leaving behind everything that you were taught to believe in, everything that gives you roots and makes your life meaningful, but it's the making of you. Life is meant to be an adventure. There's no way to mature without adventure. If you stay in the safety zone the whole time, obeying the rules, staying inside the lines, never getting a scar or a wrinkle, you don't live. You remain your mama's baby and might as well be in a cage or under glass. And if you revert to your child self around your parents, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Innocence doesn't last. Something always happens in fairy tales and in real life to threaten the belief that life is idyllic and safe. And Bambi was losing his mother. His realization that life isn't perfect and always happy is our call to adventure. This is the thing that sets us on the road to growing up and believing in our true selves. 
everybody has a primal wound that can either be the making of us or the thing that keeps us small. And the call to adventure is a way of saying, I don't know what's out there, but I have to find out. I may not make it, but if I get through, I won't be the same. I will have proven myself. So it's something we all have to do and can only do alone. So let's look at some ways that the journey can go wrong if you either don't say yes to the call to adventure or if you don't have good guidance for the journey. So the first thing that can happen is a pretty modern twist on the formula and that is that you don't hear to the, the call to adventure at all. The wounding comes from something that hurts and if your parents are so good at removing all your obstacles, there's no hurt, there's nothing for you to do. Life's pretty cushy. We used to call this the poor little rich kid syndrome, but now it's like everybody's life. And if you get awards for participation, you don't experience the struggle of earning victory. If your parents give you everything you want for your birthday, you don't learn delayed gratification or to do for yourself. If you don't have to contribute to the care and upkeep of your home, you don't learn the value of contribution. If you're too comfortable and like that comfort, there's no reason to answer the call to adventure. What is it going to give you that's worth more than you already have? I have lots of clients today who complain about kids who don't want to do the dishes, who aren't thoughtful or caring. They wonder why they have such uncooperative, self-centered kids. And in most cases, it's because they have done too much for them. The kids are entitled. These kids think that money grows on trees, homes clean themselves, presents by themselves, and dinner cooks itself because everything's done for them. If they make a mess, mom cleans it up. If they lose something, dad will get them a new one. If they wait until the last minute to do something, mom fixes it so it doesn't matter. If they need something, they can create a GoFundMe and some generous stranger will help them to get it. If it's somebody's birthday, mom buys a present for them. There's no pride in working things out or motivation to work. Not to mention that life's been too easy so they don't know how. Not their fault. It's something that, you know, everybody has their stuff. And if that's your stuff, you got to figure it out at some point. But Carl Jung said, nothing affects the life of a child so much as the unlived life of its parent. And I think the idea of giving our kids the advantages that we didn't have is a natural, well-intentioned thing to do. But humans need to struggle. Kids are resilient. It's the struggle that helps us to heal the primal wound and sets us up to have the strength to be who we are. When we vow to never be like our parents and do the exact opposite, it's actually perpetuating the same energy because they're opposite sides of the same coin. If your parents were strict and you're lenient, your kids are having the same struggle, just the other side of it. If your parents told you nothing and you tell them everything, it's the same thing. Same with being unaffectionate and showering them with affection or not being involved and being overly involved. This is what creates intergenerational trauma. It's not an effective way to deal with a problem. You have to step out of it and let go of the whole system, not just move from one extreme to the other. Death is a part of the wheel and we are scared to death of dying. Dying is normal. If your child self doesn't die, your adult self can't be born. And this is what rites of passage are all about. So let's think about this, okay? In cultures that have rites of passage, there is no doubt when a girl becomes a woman. For girls, the timing is biological, but it's also social. When she's able to bear children, her status among society changes. Everyone recognizes this and treats her differently. 
There are different expectations of her. She has privileges that she didn't have before and has to leave other things in the past. For boys, it's often life or death. They have to do something really brave and arduous to prove their manhood. They have to fight a lion, survive in the wilderness alone for a while, or dive off a cliff. Everyone doesn't get to marry and have a family. If you don't pass the test, you don't have the rights and responsibilities of a man. You may not even have a place in society at all because much is required of men. You have to be dependable because everyone else is relying on you to pull your weight and show up when needed. If you don't know who you are and what you're capable of, you could choke. And when the community is small, there's too much to risk to have you question your ability in a time of need. So the boy has to die so the man can be born. But what do we have? Getting your driver's license? Graduating? People are living with their parents when they're 25. Some parents pay for their kids' living expenses until they graduate from college or even beyond. I know a woman who is paying for her married 35-year-old son's cell phone bill. I was chatting at the grocery checkout line once with a woman who was giving me her life story. You know how these people, (laughs) maybe you are one of these people. And she was saying that she had an 18-year-old daughter who couldn't possibly go to college out of state because she wasn't ready. If she's not ready, that's a failure of parenting. Why isn't she? The average age of the Vietnam soldier was 19. If someone can die for us at 18 and 19, her daughter should be able to live on her own away at college. But she's not unique. How many kids go away to college and fail out their first year? Tons. I know some of them personally. They can't handle the class workload. They can't manage their lives. So everyday stuff like laundry, cleaning the house, making food and paying bills, well, they can't, they can't handle their own emotions. So what are we doing here? What is childhood about if not to learn how to do those things? If we can't do those very basic life skill things, how are we ever going to face a trial like the call to adventure? This is why so many of my clients are in situations where there is nothing to do but completely let go and transform. They spent too long ignoring the call, ignoring the work, distracting themselves from the pain of the work that has to be done until they can't ignore it anymore. Or maybe they never learned how. And that's legit, you know? We all have to find our own way. We have to pull our own weight. Giving your kids everything or living in the comfort of your family home is just delaying the maturation process and the self-discovery process. You have a voice. Find out what it is that you want to say. And since we're on this topic, let me sidebar for a moment and give you a little warning. So this isn't going to be for everybody. But there isn't a right or wrong way to do your life. But what I see in a lot of pale people is that they're seeing the wrongs of their ancestors, good thing. So meaning slavery, racism, cruelty, that sort of thing. And want to dissociate themselves from that legacy. So they're reaching back to a golden time in their ancestral history where they can feel some pride again. And they're claiming to be Vikings, Druids, and shaman, and things like this. It is what it is. And if this is you, so be it. I can't tell you what you are. I have no idea. But if it's not, Be careful of spiritual bypass. Don't live someone else's life because it looks cool. Throughout history, regardless of our spiritual and cultural ancestry, most of us were the lowly 90% peasant farmers. We weren't magicians, seers, kings, or priests. So claiming to be part of this elite might be a sign 
that your wounded child wants to feel significant, and it could be a way to actually avoid the call to adventure. So let's talk about what the call to adventure looks like so you know when you see it. It's all around you. It's in every great story there is. So in the movie Schindler's List, uh, at the beginning of the movie, Schindler's all about women, money, bling, and pleasure. His call to action comes when he realizes that the Jews are being exterminated. He has no idea what it will cost him to help them. He doesn't know where that road will lead. He does know people who are caught helping Jews are treated like Jews. And he also knows that he can't refuse. The process of living through the Holocaust changes him forever. He literally saved 1,200 lives. And this is a true story, not just a movie, you know. So do you think he was changed by that experience? In West Side Story, Tony gets the call to adventure when he sees Maria for the first time. He knows that she's forbidden fruit by both their cultures, and yet he cannot refuse the call. He has to meet her. That kicks off a series of events that impact their whole community. For a more low-key example in What's Eating Gilbert Grape, the highlight of Gilbert and Arnie's summer is watching the RV caravan go by. So thrilling, right? They wait for them in anticipation and wave as other people go off on their adventures. I'm not sure if Gilbert has any dreams of his own. He's probably like 25 and he's already given up on life. And one of the RVs break down and he meets Becky. In her, he sees what freedom looks like and he wants it. When he asks his married girlfriend why she chose him, she says, because I knew you never leave. And that is the last thing he wants to hear. I think it stabs him in the heart. But... He stopped being able to dream when his dad killed himself when Gilbert was a child and Gilbert stepped up to be the man of the house. These types of invitations happen all the time. When we take the safe, known, expected path, which is what we do most of the time, nothing much changes. It's like, today I'll have the same routine that I did yesterday. Not so exciting, eh? Maybe nothing bad happens, but nothing different happens either which is just how some people like it. And that's totally cool because if it were different every day, life would be chaotic. So a balance of stability and change is good. Any Hobbit fans out there? When Gandalf and 12 dwarves show up at Bilbo's door, he's not expecting one guest, let alone 13. He's just trying to have dinner when he learns that they're going on a quest for gold and needs a burglar. Bilbo wants nothing to do with it and turns it down flat. Then, after thinking about it, despite having no burglar skills at all and not knowing anyone, he chooses to do it. And he gets into and out of a lot of trouble. He learns the respect of his companions and becomes a part of their stories, too, so he belongs. He knows his worth. He gets some gold in the end, but that's beside the point. Everything else he gains is worth far more. Breaking Bad is a popular TV series about a high school chemistry teacher who finds out he has cancer and it's inoperable. His family's struggling. He can't afford treatment. He's going to leave behind a disabled son. He's thinking about all this when he hears the call to adventure to use his chemistry skills to make and sell meth to solve all his financial problems and set up his family. See what I mean? It's a life-changing moment. Sometimes we know that once we step out that door, we can't go back. And sometimes we don't. It's always a turning point. It's always a rite of passage where we don't return the same person who left. For me, belly dance was a call to adventure. Some people I danced with had an I always knew I wanted to be a belly dancer story. I had zero interest in belly dance before I started taking lessons. 
had seen one in Morocco, thought it was cool, and never gave it another thought. If you had said a year from now that'd be you, I'd have laughed in your face. I was really into bodybuilding and had three car accidents and I just couldn't do it anymore. But I was addicted. I had to do something physically challenging, but gentle. I absolutely did not see myself in ballet or ballroom, but being a belly dancer didn't sound objectionable. I still had no interest in performing. I thought it might be good exercise. And I was still very shy then, and the idea of being on stage in a skimpy costume wiggling in front of strangers was not my cup of tea at all. But then someone asked me to perform for an Afghan-Egyptian wedding. I tried to refer my teacher, but they wanted me because they wanted to feel like they were at home and I looked like an around-the-way girl. That appealed to my heart, so I said yes. That was a call. My life changed completely the moment I stepped out on that stage. Number one, I overcame a lot of my shyness because I just had to. It was a necessity. <laughs> I traveled, taught, sponsored events, became an importer, and did all kinds of things that I never would have otherwise done had I not said yes. It was an amazing 16-year-long adventure that utterly changed my life. Doing this podcast was a call to adventure. I had just come back from a spiritual tour to Chaco Canyon, and these trips are always such a high. When I return, I always want to share that feeling with others, but they're not for everyone. I've been doing them for over 20 years and they get deeper and deeper with each trip. So I knew that I had to come up with some type of entry level thing to help people get their feet wet before jumping into the deep end. I actually started a different podcast, did a few episodes of that, and it wasn't hitting that sweet spot. I was talking to someone about what the tours really do and how to prepare people for the magic of a tour when we hit on it. It was just to let go. When it's right, you know it. It's a gut instinct, so the call isn't always clear. Sometimes you just have a feeling of, I have to do something. Sometimes it's a very small voice that you have to pay attention to before it fades away. Sometimes it needs a lot of nurturing. Some of them hit you over the head with clarity. Some won't be ignored and will chase you down. They're different for different people and show up differently at different times. It takes a lot of trust to step out with that level of uncertainty. And yet, like you saw in The Hobbit, Schindler's List, and Star Wars, you got to do what you got to do. When people come with me on my spiritual tours, that can set up a call to adventure for them. They go, experience something totally different, and come back changed. The call then is the small niggling feeling of dissatisfaction to go back inside the narrow box where they were comfortable before. So it's that, do I stay or do I go question again? Do I stay small and predictable and fit in? Or do I break out and be that girl that I was on tour? I could lose my friends, house, partner, family, career. So there's no guarantee of what I would gain. Maybe it's peaceful, comfortable, and more real. Or maybe it's just miserable, lonely, and hard. Who knows? But when you know you can't stay the same, you just know something has to change or not. I know someone who's been riding that fence for a while now. He knows something has to change. He gets more and more unsatisfied with every passing day. And he keeps justifying all the reasons why he's maintaining the status quo. There's a pension, health insurance, family tradition, routine, stability, expectations, all those things that make sense on paper. And yet his heart is aching every day that he's not free. He's seen what it can look like, and he wants it, but he can't pull the trigger and say yes. 
Another way that this can show up is, especially for women, uh, is that we did heed the call. We did do our thing. And then we got married or took a job and somehow we lost ourselves along the way. Maybe we got into the routine of doing the job and our lives just became about that. Or maybe the relationship became the most important thing and we felt we had to compromise and be a good partner. And along the way, we lost all the things that made us feel alive and valuable. It could be that we don't even remember what those things were anymore. So now, maybe it just feels like surviving instead of living. So there's not just one call. Remember, life's a cycle. If we're living fully, it'll come over and over again. You can live in a circle, repeating the same things over and over again, or it's a spiral each time when you experience a rebirth. It's now actually as a new person with new experiences, new skills, perspective, and maturity, rather than doing the Groundhog Day thing. So if you're feeling stagnant, stale, and lost, or on the threshold of change, my question is, are you going to let go of those things that aren't you so you can become your true self? Let's see what the American poet Charles Bukowski says about it, because this is one of my favorite poems of all time. It's called Go All the Way. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. This can mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe even your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It can mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it despite rejection and the worst odds, and it'll be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There's no other feeling like that, and you will be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. Do it. Do it. Do it. All the way. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is. Consider this podcast an invitation to blossom into your adult self. Say yes to the adventure of filling out your big boy shoes, your big girl pants, and go all the way. It's up to you. Nobody can give this to you. Nobody can do it for you. You have to fight for you. This is what you signed up for when you came to planet Earth. I'm throwing down the gauntlet to let your inner child fly. I'm talking about the free, creative, imaginative, innocent side. Let that part lead you to the cliff where you can jump into the unknown and trust that you will land safely on the other side. We need that rite of passage to become adults, to blossom into who we are, and sometimes to prove to ourselves who we are and find ourselves again. If you need help with that, uh, that's why my new 90-day challenge in the Let It Go Now community is all about so once a call to adventure comes, that's when the meeting with the mentor happens. For Bilbo, that's Gandalf. For Tony and West Side Story, it's the storekeeper. For Luke Skywalker, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Yoda is another one. And the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy's mentor is Glinda, the good witch. When I was younger, I heard the saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And I believe that. I kept waiting and wondering why I wasn't worthy or ready. Then somewhere along the way, I realized that my teacher isn't someone who's going to tell me what to do, 
nor did I want that type of teacher. I wanted someone who would help me be more authentic, not to think like they think and do what they do. And I realized that I've been guided all along by my parents, my ancestors, my spirit guides, and nature. You have access to that too. We all just have to pay attention. But if you don't have healthy parents, elders, a connection to your ancestors, can't hear or trust your guides yet, don't know what nature is saying, I'm happy to walk alongside you until you do. I have to warn you though, you may feel a bit like Daniel from Karate Kid in the beginning with the paint the fence and wax on, wax off. It may feel like goofing off in the beginning. That's intentional to get your right and left hemispheres of your brain working together to make it easy to learn and fun and to expand your curiosity and intuition. You're not going to be able to tap into your higher mentors like nature and the spirit realm without your right brain being on board. I'm working with a new client now who wanted a different approach. He was definitely willing to go rogue, but about five or six weeks in, he said he wasn't sure that it was working. I thanked him for his candor and asked him to give it a little longer. The very next week, it all clicked for him and he felt a lot better and more grounded. He felt more hopeful, was sleeping better and was seeing bright spots where there weren't any before. Uh, now everyone's different. It may click for you right away. I won't say that he was cured, not by a long shot, but in the group, I'm approaching everyone as if you are at the threshold of death and have to rebuild from the ground up. I think we're in a crisis stage culturally where that is absolutely true. The generations of dysfunctional adults rearing dysfunctional kids has resulted in a culture that is unsustainable. We have to start over. So I apologize to those who have the basics down, but it will still be an entertaining ride to review some things. The big thing, though, is that by the end of 90 days, you will have more than a clue. You'll have a strong foundation to say yes to your call to adventure and feel confident that you can see whatever is ahead of you through. Living an authentic, awakened life is a lifelong call to adventure, in my opinion, where you show up every day. Everybody needs help sometimes. And if that time is now, I'm here for you. Our stuck patterns don't have to stay stuck. Our past doesn't have to be our future. Being savage is about learning how to work with your nature instead of against it. Really, it's that easy. The more natural you become, the easier life flows. I promise you. All right, guys, I appreciate you tuning in. If you like the show, please review it. Share it with your friends and subscribe so you get notified when the next episode posts. You don't want to miss it, right? And if you're ready to take that 90-day challenge, click on the link in the show notes below and let's get started. If you've already embarked on a call to adventure and want to share it, tell me about it in the comments. I'd love to hear about it. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others. Post about it on social media or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804. See you next time.